Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconeer. Things fall apart, the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Surely some revelation is at hand. Surely the second coming is at hand. The second coming. Hardly are those words out, when a vast image out of spiritus wundi troubles my sight somewhere in the sands of the desert. A shape with lion body and the head of a man. A gaze blank and pitiless as the sun is moving its slow thighs while all about it. Real shadows of the indignant desert birds. The darkness drops again, but now I know that twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast, its hour come round at last, slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. Sleep is for the weak. Yeah, yeah. So, no, sleep makes you, or lack of sleep makes you weak, I think is the actual <laughs> verifiable cliche there. Uh, I should turn this off. I'm, I'm practicing to not sleep. <laughs> well, I've, I've had years of practice, and, and you never you never really get it down where you can not sleep and also function. I am, I am in team sleep. Yeah, I wish. Oh, still, you know, new place, kind of learning the new sounds around my new place. It's significantly more noisy than my last place. And possibly a lot more crime going on. So. <laughs> Wait a minute, you moved away from Honeywell and there's more crime? Wow, that is, whoa. Yeah, only a couple blocks, actually, so <laughs> we're still in his Bermuda Triangle of influence. He just moved towards the crime. Yeah, closer to the, the regular crime, not the social crime that we all commit on these things. <laughs> uh, we'll probably lead in with that, because that was kind of funny, but hi, welcome to your Fear of the Walking Dead cast. Uh, good chunk of the regular crew here tonight, so that's good. I'm Scott McGregor, one of your co-hosts, and we're joined tonight by, or I am joined tonight by, making us a weird thing, uh, by Mike Zumo, uh, Professor Hello. Alan Middleton. Hello. And the lovely and talented Beth Hughes. Hola. Uh, but but no Brian tonight, uh, so he is the, going to be the brunt of many jokes if possible, just to test and see if he actually listens still. <laughs> yeah, I buried him somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Fed him to the crows. Uh, <laughs> we'll just say it's a work thing. <laughs> it's a work thing, not a hospitalization thing. Yeah. No. I suppose we'll get started. Uh, how's everyone been? Yeah. Did you uh, all I've enjoy been. Our, our nation's birthday? Did you blow up stuff and celebrate in the time-honored manners? I uh, I watched stuff blow up. There you go. A lot safer. Um, I didn't even get to do that. I missed it all. My was, mom got sick on us again, yeah, so... Oh, yeah... I know, yeah, but she's back at home, yay! Good, good deal. Just another Tuesday. I, I was surprised, actually, my new place here. I thought the explosions were, well, the explosions were a little closer, and uh, 
Sometimes you're not sure if it's fireworks or gunshots in my city. But <laughs> a lot less uh, things blown up than I, I thought there would be around here. So I have a nice spacious back parking lot that I thought might attract some bottle rocket wars, and I was happy to see that I was wrong there. I believe it's Sunday night. My daughter saw some fireworks from her bedroom window. That 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 was interesting. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I, I ventured down into the city and like managed to get up on this parking garage. And we always have some in the middle of the city, and that was great. But it also took me four hours to get back out of the city, so <laughs> not exactly worth it. Uh, so let's let's roll right into this, I suppose. Uh, again, thank you, Alan, for your little pre-recorded stuff for the last episode. That was a very nice review. Had again, to get my thoughts in on that one, one yeah, way or the other. Again, you pretty much kind of said in five minutes what it took me and Mike 55 minutes to say, but that's, <laughs> that's why you're our ringer, man. That's why you're our ringer. Uh, i got to fill space sometimes, somehow, for all those you know potential sponsors that, you know, five I minutes I seriously shows. did hate that I missed the last episode. You have no idea. I know, yeah. We, we all too, did. But, yeah, so did we. We did that. I wanted to. I wanted to pull my little prank, and I was, I was going to have you do like just a five-minute little intro in, in Spanish, and you know, make everyone tune out. Well, Scott and I exhausted all of our Spanish within oh, a minute. Oh, it was embarrassing. I hope you didn't listen to it, Beth. It was it was pretty bad. <laughs> I, I'm not even sure if I can remember how to say it. Let me see here. Um, y desde es el día. Nope, no, no, that's not it. Let me try again. Y desde es el comenando de los muertos. There you go. There you go. That sounded awesome. I love the Spanish accent so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we opened where we left off uh, actually like a couple episodes ago. Um, I think it was the, the uh, lovely old couple that Nick saw dancing in the camp. Everyone remember that? And he had a nice awe moment. That was so sweet. It was. And then, of course, uh, the show being what it is, (laughs) sweetness turns to bittersweet. (laughs) Yes. And we we basically see the same scene, this time from the couple's point of view, and realize uh, that it is a dance of death with a man and his wife who has become a walker. And uh, if this was on Preacher, this would have been hilarious. Uh, But she tries to kill him, but, of course, has has left her teeth in the glass before she turned. (laughs) So she's literally trying to gum her husband to death. Which was awesome. Wait, 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 wait a minute. That was a great idea, though. That, that was that a great idea. To be it was, yeah. It was hilarious. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, but see, this show I felt bad about laughing at it. As I said, it was on something like Preacher. It would have been intentional dark humor, but this, it was just tragic. <laughs> then I must be a terrible person. I, I am, too. You know, I, as I, I'm pointing I mean, it out because, obviously, my brain wanted it to be dark humor, even if it wasn't intended to be. <laughs> it's all fun and games till someone keels over and knocks over the lantern. That too. Yes. Um, but of course, the, the the husband Mercy kills them both while they're dancing. And then I guess... If, but that's a beautiful way to go. Yeah, you know. Go, go with your spouse. Yeah. Peace, just go, yeah, you know. As as, I mean, why stay and hurt yeah. all that pain? There's nothing else out there for them. Why not? No, no. And as, yeah, as far as ways to exit the apocalypse, that's probably about right up there at the top of the list. Yeah. So, uh, a lamp is knocked over, as Professor uh, just said, and uh, their house burns, of course, into the, the opening credits. 
Now, when we return, everyone is being roused to fight the fire. Buckets are being hauled and orders are being shouted. And we find out it was uh, Martha and Russell. And Jeremiah comes out and basically stops the fire brigade uh, to save water, realizing that they can't save the house or the people in it. It it was the pragmatic call. The, the, The fire was not, you know, threatening anything else in the camp, really. Not a house all by itself. Yeah, and it was just kind of like old world traditions trying to, you know, do what you can to, to save what you can. But Jeremiah made let him, a tough call. Yep, but, let them burn. Yeah. Uh, easier to deal with in the ashes anyway. <laughs> Maddie is uh, getting ready to saddle up, and one of Troy's minions is being all macho and shit, and she basically tells him, Dude, we survived uh, the apocalypse without your militia for quite a while, thanks. Sweetheart. Yeah, put the testosterone back away. And the kids come to say goodbye and basically try to tell Madison she's probably making another huge bad judgment call, but she jumps in Troy's truck anyway. um, Working her angle, whatever that ends up being. Um, Jake meets uh, Alicia at breakfast and quotes some scripture to her. Uh, Kind of a lame seduction game there, dude. Uh, I guess it actually works. Uh, Gretchen it comes. It works for him, so yeah, gave me that link. Yeah, yeah. Gretchen comes to give us some exposition about the old crispy couple, and we learn that Russell was one of the founders of the of the camp, leaving only Jeremiah and I think one other uh, founder still alive. Uh, was Vernon was one of the founders? Isn't he? Yeah, and um, yeah. Learn more about him next episode. I think it is. Nick brings Luciana a delicious breakfast in bed with real churned butter, which I, I don't even fucking have in this, you know, the 21st century non-apocalypse. What's wrong with that? I thought that was a great line. Yeah. Someone churned this. Oh, fresh churned butter. She is impressed, of course, but apparently not impressed enough to want to stay at the camp. Uh, and she informs him it's time to go. And she knows people in Mexicali, or, you know, used to anyway, which Nick points out, but he's afraid to leave his family. Apparently she prefers whipped butter. Sure. (laughs) No butter. I don't know where she's going to find butter in Mexicali right now. He says he'll come with her. Um, That remains to be seen. Back with the Daniel and Victor Road show. Daniel is dying to take a piss and and wants to kill the surrounding walkers instead of waiting for them um, to just shuffle on by. Strand's a fucking scaredy cat, apparently. But he also doesn't want his jag dented or anything. <laughs> I like that Victor is still living up to his yeah. pre-apocalypse standards. Yeah, you yeah. do, you, right. Victor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, you know, losing a couple bucks on the resale value on your jag is really going to matter at this point. Well, I yeah, mean, but he had to watch a woman go out the window for it. I mean, you might as well not ruin it. For sure, yeah. <laughs> Style still matters in the apocalypse. For him, anyway. I don't think that's serving him particularly well lately, though. <laughs> but Strand says he needs to be prepared uh, for the fact that Ophelia might not be at the hotel. Really? Hmm, how would you know that, Victor? And he's like, fine, I'll ask Maddie when we get there. Or isn't she there either, Victor? And uh, we, we basically know Daniel knows he's full of shit at this point. And he's just kind of he's just waiting him out and wants him to admit it himself. That's the vibe I get anyway. And he commands Victor to drive through the, the walkers, and given that Daniel is the one holding the assault rifle, Victor reluctantly agrees. 
So Alicia goes to see Jake and expresses her condolences for the loss of Russell. She didn't realize earlier that they're quite close. And she's lamenting about the loss of the plans that, you know, that she had before the apocalypse and, and almost immediately seduces Jake for some nice cathartic end of the world sexy time. Why not? They're the two prettiest people in the whole camp, literally, so why not? <laughs> it's destiny. Back to Troy's big day out, and they spot a group of walkers from a crash prison bus. Uh, despite his guys reminding him that this isn't the mission, Troy demands that they kill the walkers before they wander towards the camp. Not a bad plan, really. No, you know, nah, it, it, beca- it became the mission. Mm-hmm. And Orange is the new undead, and just glad I had the opportunity to make that joke. And a pretty good slaying scene commences with with Maddie holding her own and kicking some ass, but she does get in trouble. But a douchey soldier from before helps her with an arrow. Uh, going a little Daryl on us, uh, you know, but with an actual bow. Uh, but she ends up winning some respect from the men for her badassness, I would say. She, she did pretty well with her axe. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she did. Nick is sifting through the burnt remains of the house, and Alicia is getting dressed and noticing uh, Jake's library, particularly the Bukowski. Uh, He tries to loan her a book, coincidentally enough, by Bukowski, and the origin of our episode title this week, which is Burning in Water, Drowning in Flame. Uh, And she refuses, saying that she used to love poetry and art and reading, but kind of what's the point anymore, and Jake doesn't really seem to have a good answer for her right then. Now, you know I get to toot my own horn on this one, because I called those two together. I yeah. knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I just, it was... You could smell it in the air. Oh, wait. Okay, well, you could see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Maddie beat her to Troy, so she, she had to take second second choice, I guess. I, I think uh, she got the better end of the deal. I would think so, yeah. Uh, well, it remains to be seen, so could do a twist on us and have Jake be the truly evil guy. Who knows? Uh, I think Jake's I, probably just the doomed guy. Um, several red flags going up this episode to, to say that. Well, we're... he does have a back. He does have some background as a lawyer. So <laughs> nobody liked lawyers before the apocalypse, though. I don't know how popular they're going to be afterwards either. <laughs> Well, everybody's on the same level now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were you going to say something too, you, Beth? I'm sorry. You'd think they'd be the first to go, <laughs> but he's been safe because he's been hiding out on this damn farm. Mm-hmm. He's a lawyer with a gun nut for a dad, so that helps. Ah, uh, so Jeremiah comes to see what Nick is up to and explains that he used to own the house uh, and gave it to Russell, and while rummaging around, he finds an old pistol... And he shows us his uh, almost uncomfortable love of the craftsmanship of guns, um, which I understand. More of craftsmanship of tools. You know, he kind of explained himself. He's like, you know, it's not just guns. It's just I appreciate what the work that went into this. I Nick, know a lot Nick of... does not understand the concept of the beautiful gun. <laughs> no, no. Um, which, you know, I, I get that. And I also get Otto's point of view because I have a lot of friends who are... are you know, gun enthusiasts and Second Amendment people, and I consider myself a Second Amendment person, too. But uh, Nick calls out Otto on his uh, murdery son a bit, though, and he actually bonds with Nick uh, kind of over their mutual addiction issues. You get a lot of back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of exposition on Otto and what he's gone through. And he, he offers how to help Nick restore the house, basically. So back on I like, the... I like the line that he used to live there, 
until a second and until wife number two <laughs> made me build a bigger place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I wanted to approach that with, you know, some of us here that have exes. <laughs> get into a long cathartic discussion uh, <laughs> yeah so back on our little patrol they, they come to where the helicopter should be but has been hauled away and they find some uh, spent shells and realize that one of their patrols which is I think currently missing was in a fight obviously currently missing uh, permanently missing was in a fight with the people who presumably shot down the copter and uh, Troy is rocking the death metal in the car, which should help his mood greatly. Uh, and he's not sympathetic at all for Madison's grief about Travis, because she was a bit more shook up seeing the crash site than she, she thought she would be. But he, he believes that being an apocalypse warrior is his calling. Daniel's, well, everybody's got to be good at something. Yeah, well, you know, and that he, he showed signs early on that he would be a useful, uh, evil bastard. And, and that is a good trait in the apocalypse occasionally. So, so Daniel is relieving himself, and he once again, once again calls Victor out on his bullshit, and Strand is all like, just gotta kill me now and stop picking on me. <laughs> because he's literally just kind of picking on Victor at this point. It's kind of funny. Daniel signals him to get in and drive, though. He's like, no, fucker, I'm gonna make you say it. That's, that's just the, totally the vibe I get from from Daniel. He just, he knows the answer but he, he wants to see Victor faced with it. Jeremiah is impressed with Nick and we learn that his dad taught him some carpentry skills before Maddie drove him to suicide or murdered him, whichever the case ends up being. Just kidding. I don't know. Well, it could, it could be either <laughs> one. We don't know yet. She may not have been the one to drive him to suicide, but you know, we always keep getting hints that Maddie's got a dark past, so I'm speculating. Otto kind of says Lucy should go because uh, she's brown, but kind of backs off from it when Nick calls him out on it. <laughs> Although, you know, he just explained, oh, no, it's not because of that. It's just, she just can't get with the program. And, you know, Nick probably should remind her. It's like, yeah, that's because you were shooting all the brown people that were trying to get in. <laughs> so she's a little <laughs> pissed about that and a little worried, you know, understandably. Uh, well, we get some more backstory on Troy and the Otto family. Mom apparently locked him in the basement, and drunk dad forgot him. And uh, yeah, we Ellen... learn why he might not have the best <laughs> yeah. psychology, the yeah. most emotional state. <laughs> I wonder if that had anything to do with his psychopathy. Yeah, and he, I guess he was just standing on the bottom of the stairs and and apologized for for doing whatever he did for making drunken parents lock him in the basement. But not even that made Jeremiah stop drinking. And Nick does ask him uh, what it was that was his bottom, presumably. And uh, we learn that he almost shot his dick off hunting drunk. So apparently his penis <laughs> means a lot more to him than his son That should wake you up. <laughs> look, look, I don't drink. <laughs> but if I did and I almost shot my thingamajig off, I'd probably quit too. I'd, I'd probably quit guns as well, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'd probably do that sober. <laughs> yeah, I would, that's the reason I'm not a gun owner, because I know I'm a clumsy individual by nature, and uh, yeah, there's just too many ways I could win a Dar Darwin Award. But I do like, in that conversation, he uh, ought to, just sort of sums it up for Nick. Your mama wants to stay, and your lady wants to go. Mm -hmm. What do you want? What, yeah, what do you want? What's option three? Yeah, I don't know, really. <laughs> I'd like us both to stay here, clearly, but... 
Not in the cards, perhaps. So the Troy show comes upon a house and finds uh, some of the Lost Patrol, you know, a lot of bodies burned in a pile. And, and one of the Lost Patrol in particular is sitting in a chair with the back of his skull exposed, or the brains exposed, actually, and a crow solely eating his brains. And he is still alive and babbling incoherently. Uh, he wasn't quoting Bukowski by any chance, was he? I didn't get to check into it, but I figured maybe they'd throw that in there. <laughs> he was saying something about seeing the man, or I don't know, I don't remember exactly. But it's pretty nasty. Gotta keep giving it to the uh, effects people this season for, for the real ick factor shots. They've been just rolling them out one after another in this, this season so far, and it's pretty brilliant. Boy, they are. <laughs> Uh, militia members puke, and the rest are shocked kind of to inaction, but Maddie uh, steps up and mercifully puts him down with a knife. Yeah, I, I turned away for a second or two yeah. from that. It was, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I said, uh, any number of walker deaths or even some human deaths, no problem, but when you get to the real, well, you got a crow picking at your brain, and you just hear the sound of it, it's like, no, nope, nope, nope. Nasty stuff. I, I think I dozed off during the viewing of this episode. I have no memory of this. No, well, uh, that's also, you know, that's a defense mechanism of your brain. Shock. <laughs> yeah, we call it shock. We went to your happy place. Yeah. So do you think every time he kept saying it, whatever he was saying over and over, he kept thinking deja vu? Deja vu. <laughs> deja vu. <laughs> I don't think he was thinking that much. Yeah. Uh, at that point, he's just like, wow. He's thinking, what, he's thinking what that, what's that breeze is bringing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, that's right? kind of cool in the back of my I head. I think I'm kind of reason. chill. There's a slight pressure, as they would say you know, in a doctor's office. You'll feel a slight pressure. Uh, that would be the crow picking your brain to pieces. Yikes. So they go to leave, but are stopped by a Native American gentleman named Walker. And Troy starts to get all testosterone, but he... He informs them that they're surrounded, and Maddie's like, give the order, and Troy tells his men to stand down. For the uh, record, I have been waiting the entire run of both of these shows for somebody to be named Walker. Sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Surprising it took him this long. But <laughs> uh, and he yeah. just happens to be a Native American. I think it's a perfect name for him. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping he's more than just kind of a one or two episode guy because he he was impressive. His introduction was impressive, and it was just you know yeah. so confident. And it's like I have you guys all dead to rights. You're gonna sit here and listen to me, and, and I'm gonna do some pretty bad things to you right now. And <laughs> you know, this is how it stands. Yeah, I like this scene here also because you know, Troy is ostensibly in charge, but here we see this is really Maddie mm-hmm. calling the shots. Oh really, yeah, really. Yeah. Cool. Blatantly for the first time, and well, not Troy, the last. Not the Troy last. doesn't seem to be uh, very good at uh, on his feet. Yeah, you know when things kind of go off the rails, he uh, doesn't know what to do. He seems to panic right off the bat and doesn't yeah. know what to say or how to keep that kind of command uh, that Walker had. He doesn't have that same kind of command. Yes, no. yes. And so exactly. Maddie immediately takes over and. That right there shows that this kid needs to take watch. You might have that murder shit down, but you don't got that kind of firmness she has. Uh, my husband, my dad has that um, 
that kind of where he commands. Right. And and I do when I'm angry, but my dad like has it all the time. That's not shit you just learn. That that's just something you have or you don't. Well, I think and he the commands. kid doesn't have it. Well, I think he commands well. He's definitely got people that are loyal to him, but he's not particularly, as you said, smart under pressure. And he's, I think Maddie is like, you know, I'm probably the only reason these guys aren't gunning you all down right now. Right, well, um, he's in charge. <laughs> he's in charge, but he's not a leader. Right, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's and in see, charge because his dad owns the place. Right. Yeah, but yeah. doesn't this make sense that, that this is why he he uses the fear factor to try to get people to listen to him versus just saying something and them doing it. Mm-hmm. He has to scare the shit out of people yeah. to get them to listen. Right. Well, she points out a little later, too. And I, I don't know if you've all seen this last week's episode. By the time this comes out, we're running a little behind. But um, I'm, I'm calling her Lady Maddie Beth at this point. Because uh, <laughs> uh, the next episode in particular is, is a bit Shakespearean in that way. I don't think I'm yeah. alone in that one. <laughs> Definitely some Lady Macbeth stuff going on with Maddie and Troy. Uh, more so next episode. But. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, the walker takes everything, including their boots, and says they have to walk back to the camp. And the natives are planning to take back their land, which I, I'm just kind of overjoyed that they addressed this at all because it's like yeah why wouldn't it happen you know they're like we don't have to suffer you white men any longer this is <laughs> it's time to start redivvying up the country <laughs> and it's uh, time for justice yeah. right and uh yeah by any means necessary and maddie demands some water luckily she tells walker that uh you know hey you took someone of mine too so this is a little personal but if you want us to make it back and give your little warning, which is essentially everyone has to leave, they're coming for the camp. Um, you have to give us something to be able to make it. Although I don't know why, you know, I guess that shows some mercy in Walker, you know, that, uh, that he would give them a chance to warn the camp, but probably not necessarily a, a smart tactical play. Well, it might we'll see. Well, we'll see, you know. Yeah, yeah, we will. <laughs> Back at the camp, Alicia is visited by Jake. She uh, He takes her to a little lake and uh, gives her the we-need-to-have-hope speech and inevitably seals his own doom. Uh, not this episode, but it's got to be coming. <laughs> Daniel and Victor arrive at the hotel, which has uh, had some problems as the gate is wide open. Thanks, Matty. You had to turn on that fucking light, didn't you? <laughs> Those poor people in there probably could have lived out all their days in that place, but she had to go all Motel 6. They go into Daniel's Well, they existence. did live out all their days. There wasn't very many of them. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. they lived out their days. Yeah, so apparently the lease on the hotel for the cast had, had expired, and uh, they needed to move on, and we won't be seeing any of those people anymore. <laughs> they go in at Daniel's insistence, and Daniel is basically, as I said, toying with uh, Strand at this point. He rings the bell. For the uh, bellboy service, and the walkers start coming, and Strand finally comes clean, and you know about Ophelia and everyone else leaving before you know uh, him knowing that they left, and Daniel ditches him to uh, struggle with the walkers. He gets away, but Daniel leaves him in the dust in the car, and it's not looking good for our negotiator friend. Uh, you cannot negotiate with walkers. Nope, and he's got a shit ton of them after him. Although we don't see the resolution of that yet. Nick brings Luciana to the semi-restored house, and he gives her the story of Russell and Martha, you know, the whole 
you know, just lifelong love and all that good stuff. Hoping that the romantic tale inspires her to stay. And uh, we don't know that yet. But uh, the very tired group wants to stop, but Troy says no, and Maddie kind of sides the men and does give Troy the whole speech. It's like, you don't want these guys to follow you out of fear. You know, it has to be out of out of respect. And it's like, she, she kind of uses her, her super counseling powers on him again, uh, going right for the mommy issues, too. Smart play. Right. Well done, Maddie. Uh, you know, classic Dr. Lecter stuff right there. Yeah. She does For know sure. all about young people and their psychology. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that they're integrating this into this because, you know, it's it's showing different, you know, Rick Grimes to you as a sheriff. Yeah, obviously he's, he's going to have some skills that are, are useful in the apocalypse, but you never think of the guidance counselor being able to use <laughs> that to survive, and I think it's right? awesome. I think it's great. Right, yeah. Oh, it is. Yep. You know, basically what she did was said, asshole, you got to stop. They're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you will too, by proxy, so yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and obviously the other guys in the crew knew this, but yeah, she's, the, o- she's any- the only one who said anything. I mean, she's so overstepping, but she's right. Yeah, but oh, then she calls oh, for the yeah. vote, man, and just like, oh, you're, let me see your deck for a second, Troy. I'm just going to take that for you. <laughs> um, keep it in my purse from now on. So uh, I think Maddie made a very big power play. Uh, with you know Troy's minions, and I think probably that's that's her end goal is to be in a position to call for a coup if she needs to, but you know, kind of still keep Troy up there as the figurehead dictator for a while. <laughs> well, she kind of exposed the difference between, like I mentioned before, like between the person in charge and a leader. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Yep. Yep. And I think the I think this group in particular is is very aware right now of well, they need a leader and not necessarily yeah just a captain just a commander. Right. But uh, that night, Maddie awakens to Troy's knife at her throat and kind of a murdery look in his eyes. But he can't bring himself to kill his milf fantasy, so she gets to live another day. But another one of the men sees this and just kind of rolls over and like yeah. That sucks. He's kind of a fucking nutball, isn't he? Um, but you can still see they're obviously. I mean, I think that illustrated how scared they are of him. That they kind of know exactly. he, he could just do that to anybody at any given time. It's Troy being Troy. Uh-huh. Yeah. But at this point, she is so in charge. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's she's playing a dangerous game, and that that scene points it out. But all the all the all the power is. Heading her direction, at yeah. least. I'm still she not doesn't sure. have it yet. She is making the right She's moves. gaining it. I'm still not sure she won't botch the whole setup, though, and, and make some bad decisions, because that seems to be kind of her thing, too. You know? Well, who's making good decisions? Yeah. That's well, more Rick's thing. That's more Rick's thing, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I've Nick, I'm like, if Nick left Luciana, though, you know, um, I think she yeah. would maybe yeah. go off the rails again so. and and start doing things just to save him and not thinking too much else. So, uh, Nick uh, wakes to a note from Luciana, of course, and she is left realizing that he had no intention to go with her. The patrol has very bloody feet, and they're shuffling slowly back home. Alicia looks like she might be about to end it off a cliff, uh, but she just goes swimming instead, with no floaters to speak of. Um... 
Sorry, Beth. I know you were looking forward to more floaters. I know I was. I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was like, oh, she better be careful because, yeah. you know, something might try to grab her feet. Yeah, all oh, they did a perfect Jaws shot, too. A little Jaws homage shot from right below her. Like, zombie sharks, finally? No, not no Right? Way. No. <laughs> no such luck. No. <laughs> but she almost starts to smile mm-hmm. in that scene. She's she's yeah. getting a, an inkling of joy, but doesn't quite know what to make of that. Well, I thought it was... You, you yeah. just got laid. You got to jump in water. There's no walkers trying to get your feet. You just came up from the water. And like, oh, everything is good with the world. Yeah. She's <laughs> having a good day. She's happy. Well, yeah. I, thought, I thought they built it up. I mean, it's... I, I complained about the false deaths over on the other show, and this, I guess, almost could have been like that. But I thought they built it up pretty well that, you know, Alicia had kind of lost her will there for a little bit. You know, she's like, yeah, I got it good. Now I even got a hot boyfriend who wants to you know, give me poetry books after we have sex. But she's just like, yeah, what's, you know, this, this, this is good, but this isn't, what's the point? You know, it's not going to go anywhere but here. Um, well, either way, it's better than what happened to the last post-apocalypse boyfriend. Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she hasn't had the best record, and men who, you know, like her haven't had the best record of surviving. So, uh, again, uh, another red flag for Jake. Just don't see him making it through the rest of the season somehow. <laughs> so, Jeremiah comes to see Nick, uh, kind of our final scene, and gives him Russell's restored gun as a gift, and Nick has officially joined the camp and presumably the NRA. So, there we go, kids. <laughs> and then I like the nice ending montage of all that. Yeah, yeah. You know, her, all those things. The last last minute or two without any dialogue. Yeah, which will probably be our, yeah. our closing song tonight if I can mm-hmm. rustle it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am still having zero complaints about this whole season, um, which is really nice because this is about the time on the other show that things start going downhill pretty badly. Well, it's, <laughs> and it's just stop it's, going. It's tough. Yeah, just stop it, going. Yeah, it's it's tough when you come back from such an experimental and excellent episode. Yeah, you know, to get back, I mean, you need to get back into the regular narrative. The reason those are unique experimental episodes is because you yeah. don't do them very often. But having the you know the potential whiplash of going from that back to a normal episode, yeah. I think right. they managed pretty well. They gave us a pretty good normal episode. Yeah, and they still managed to serve. You know, we didn't just leave Victor and Daniel to be seen again I, later. Uh-huh. You know, they even uh-huh. still served that story very well and very kind of funny in my opinion. And you know, just we had like four or five storylines going on again, which we always like to applaud when it's done. Definitely. When it's done as rich as it has been, it, it's really good right now. It's definitely you can't wait for the next one. You just want to see what's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then they leave you wanting for this battle that's supposed to happen between the mm-hmm. ranch and, right. and and Walker's you know crew because that's going to be a sight. And if and, and, and we don't just, know if, if there is a crew. Uh, yeah, what if it's just him? True. 
Oh, no. He had quite a few men surrounding him there. They were a lot of people surrounding them. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, and then it took a lot of people to haul off that yeah. that helicopter, so. Yeah. They have some resources, indeed. But, you know, but if if you just think about it, you know, we've been at the, we've been at the, this camp for a little while, but even just with Walker and his crew, we just met them, and we're just meeting some of these people you know, at the at the at the ranch, and yet they are so much more fully formed characters yeah, than I, some of the side people we meet on the regular show. Oh, agree, 100%. you know the trash people or or whoever else it is the the what it was the what's the the waterfront people whatever they were called. Yeah, you know those are just I mean, those are nothing characters compared to these folks who we only have seen for a short amount. I mean, Walker is a pretty fully. I mean, we know a lot about him. Yeah, yeah. For like four minutes of screen time, right? Right. And and just some of these people we continue to meet at the ranch. They're they're pretty fully formed characters. They've really managed to between the dialogue and the setting and the acting and everything. It's a pretty good show. Yeah, it, I think it's gotten really exponentially better this season yes. too. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. really, really firing on all cylinders. I think you nailed it, Alan. It's it's. They stuff a lot more into the show. You know, we have a lot less waste. Again, um, you know, we, we've had some complaints about, you know, what we would have liked to have spent a little more time on the Abigail and see the Sea Pirates thing and all that. And some of that was wrapped up maybe a little quicker than I would have wrote it, but I think maybe that's only because my brain's in the other show's paradigm. <laughs> right. But they <laughs> seem to really... That's the key, too. That's the absolute key to it. You can do little one-offs and have all these peripheral characters come and go quickly, but as long as they're written well, they feel like an organic part of the world and not just dropped in as a plot device. Yeah, even jumping back to some of the people at the hotel. Yeah. You know, the mother of the bride. Right. You know, that character, when you know when we revisited her a couple episodes back, um, you know, that was a completion of a story, of a character arc for her. Yeah, yeah. And, exactly. And, and, and that's not the treatment that some of the other characters on some of the other show don't get that that treatment. No, that is true. That, that care, care, that attention like that. to detail. Yeah, I think they're doing a real good job of that. It's, uh, well, I I think this show benefits from not having a blueprint. It can tell the story that it wants to tell at mm-hmm. the pace that it can tell it. The other show is so preoccupied with never catching the comics that it just does some weird things to keep itself in place. Yeah, this I, show can move on can progress more organically and it's doing a much better job at it. I yeah, I get true. that, but I, I think that's I think that's lazy though, because that should almost give them when they a lot do, to play with. Well, when they do deviate from the comic, they should do it. They should they have the freedom to do it better, like the the trash town and and oceanside nowhere in the comics. So flesh them out, you know, make them a real part of. Of the mythology and the, and the and the show, you know, if you're going to try to bewilder the comic readers occasionally by bringing in some different stuff, make it good different stuff. Otherwise, it's just you know stick to the comics. If you're not going to do it well, just stick to the damn comics. Well, I, I think they're just kind of throwing shit out there to waste time sometimes. Uh, yeah, essentially, but it, it wouldn't be a waste of time if it was written like the peripheral characters on this show. That's that's what I I feel like their biggest deficiency is and. Again, I think Alan nailed it. It's just how how much you care to 
just they feel like lived-in characters. And as you said, we, we know so much about them just from so little. Even like, you know, we've only get about ten minutes total screen time of like Gretchen and some of the younger kids and stuff at the camp, but we learn a lot about them. And, and what's good is they're bringing in, they maybe have a little more opportunity to do it with this one because they're actually bringing in the peripheral characters to do exposition stuff, which makes it work, you know, instead of just kind of the main cast talking about shit. Um, that should be obvious to everyone, but they, you know, they could have done it. You know, did we even get any kind of story about the trash people? Did, you know, in their broken-ass language, you know, did they... I guess they did try to... Yeah, what made a little them bit so about damn them, lazy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah. We take, we don't bother. Like, that right. tells me mm-hmm. fucking nothing about you. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean... But, I, just, but just the relationship that Nick has established... Uh, with uh, Jeremiah. Yeah, that's some really um, good writing, too. You know, yeah, that's just a, a cool little thing. You know, and, and, and that, that interaction between the main cast and the new folks. Uh, it's interesting with Nick that it would, no matter where he goes, he seems to uh, form a relationship with the leader, with the guy yeah. in charge. Mm-hmm. He did the same thing in the Colonia. That is true, he did. He's, he's just, he looks like this timid lost puppy most of the time. So, yeah, I think people kind of take him under their wing and be like, you know, <laughs> try to teach him stuff. And I think Nick is just kind of, he's trying to be a sponge and just getting as much experience and knowledge as he can. You know, he really hasn't picked up a hell of a lot of Spanish. For you know, he's, he's a lot woman, like uh, Maddie in that way, though. He, he sat back and just watches everyone mm-hmm. and everything go on around him and absorbs it like a like a sponge so he can use it against them later and that's the same thing Maddie does. Yeah, cuz he's I, Yeah, yeah, that, that that that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Cuz he clearly tries to on numerous occasions just kind of tries to get Jeremiah to see what Troy is. And Jeremiah is full well aware right. of what Troy is actually, but I think Nick's maybe trying to get him to see that that might not be quite as beneficial to the campus as he might think it is, and I think we're going to start finding that out in a couple episodes. Well, it's clear Nick is not as good at it as Maddie is. Yeah. Just get those counseling powers, man. Don't don't underestimate them. Dr. Uh, Lecter made a guy swallow his that. own tongue once. You know, uh, hey. you know because while, you ask, while he's being asked if he, if he really knows himself, I think Dick, Nick really does because he's been to that point where he's been to hell and back. Yeah. And I mean, he's yeah, hit I mean, rock bottom. He knows who the hell he is. He knows what he is. And he knows when someone should fear him and when they shouldn't and when he should get someone to fear him. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? He just, there's where he differs from Troy. Mm-hmm. You won't see it coming if he's coming for you. I mean, we've, we've we've joked about Nick the whole time with, uh, you know, super junkie powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, but right. there's something exactly. too that that survive the type of survival that he had to do versus the type of survival that's been going on at the ranch. Right. You know, yeah. his has been much more gritty, much more street, if you will. Right. Well, right. to live to live in that world, you you have to learn to get along with some shady characters that might end up wanting to kill you someday. You know. 
uh, or just might be chaotic and, and unhinged and you don't know what'll happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't know what to expect. He's used to chaotic people at the very least. Like Troy, and I think he sees the end result of something like Troy that yeah. he cannot contain that chaos very yeah, he effectively. Has seen, he, he has seen his own version of that type of personality. Right, yeah. But what his mom is working with, trying to tame Troy, that's like a masterpiece. You you see someone Maybe. working on a, a masterpiece there, because that's almost near to next impossible. I think so she either, thinks she's mastering it, but I'm not sure that's how it's going to play out. I don't know. I don't. It, it makes me wonder if it's going to become a biter in the ass. I don't have high try. hopes for... That's just my prediction. I don't have high hopes for Maddie's little uh, Lady Macbeth project, because... I don't know if she's read that story, but it didn't exactly end well for all the Macbeths. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure uh, what a, Kim Dickens has a much uh, bigger contract than uh, than Troy does. So, uh, I would think yeah, so, but yeah. She'll, she'll my point is, either way, Nick will learn something. Yeah, this he will. This is what yeah. you do, or this is what you don't do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put him out of his misery earlier. Go ahead and leave him to walk the earth a little longer. Either yeah, way, what do you he, do? He had that chance, but I think I think Nick may end up saving Maddie from herself when it all comes down to it. It's going to be kind of my nebulous prediction for how everything yeah, ends up going I, down. I mean, think about it. She is really... She's getting more attached to his character, Troy, when she couldn't even put down... Uh, the little girl. Yeah. So when when tide turns, is she going to be able to do it? Well, hell no. So Nick, this hope Nick is there when the time comes. Say, but which of her family members just got himself a gun? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But also, I see the uh, I don't know, kind of the parallel between Jeremiah's speech about you know the craftsmanship of a tool and the gun as a tool. I think uh, more so next episode you start seeing that Maddie is just kind of viewing Troy as a tool, you know, to to get to her own her own ends, uh, and uh, which she's stated she's like I, I think maybe she is just thinking of flat out taking over the place, and uh, Troy has the most muscle to be able to do that with, but still not sure that's going to work out with uh, Mr. Walker in the mix now. Well, I'm very excited to see what's going on. That, that is a definitely an interesting wrench that's been thrown in. Yes, it yeah. is. Uh, it's it. coming. Oh, wow. Yeah, so just seeing very few flaws this season and loving every minute of it. I got nothing else. I I, Keep I, it coming. I do have one thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I threw this out there last week, but Beth wasn't here. The uh, The Spanish episode, how did that play for you? Oh, yeah. I I loved it. I was just like, oh my gosh, for the first time that I can remember that they took an all English series and put in a whole Spanish episode practically. I loved, 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 loved it. And I hate, hate that I missed last week's episode. You have no idea. Oh, so we're giving you a chance now. It's... I was just like, babe, can you believe we missed it? I was at the hospital going, man, it just gets me. I'm just upset about it. Mom. No. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. no, no not I'm late. Kidding. I'm Guilt kidding. I'm mom. not that cruel. <laughs> 
No, but I, I really wish I could have been there for that episode. But when I was here at home, I was like, can you believe they did a whole episode? And Brian was like, yeah, that was awesome. He said, yeah. you didn't even have to look at the TV. You just would turn and look at me, and they were still talking in Spanish. <laughs> it made me sick. Well, I think that's that's what me and Mike wanted to ask you mostly is that how, you, how did you feel like, I mean, did they portray the Spanish speaking as accurately as we were reading it? I mean, I guess. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, most of it they really did, and anything else that wasn't, that's what was meant to be said. So it right. was really well done. Did you feel uh, like they slowed down the, the speaking, like basically kind of like to match a rhythm of how it would read in English? Because I've known some Spanish speakers, and it it seems very much quicker than maybe they were speaking on that show, but... I, understand I didn't if take did it that, that way, no? not at all. I, I really didn't feel that it was slowed down. I, I really didn't because the way that Daniel was had said everything in Spanish, mm-hmm. it, it just made perfect sense the way that he did it. What was said, it matched everything perfectly. I don't think they did that. I really yeah, don't. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. I, I'm, I'm so, yeah, I, I'm still amazed and will applaud. That's that's like a, a benchmark in television history, in my opinion, that, you know, that they had the guts to do that. I mean, It was for me, and I have to say, I loved every minute of it. I hope it's not the last, because I enjoyed the hell out of it. I really did. I think it's so important, too, and, in, in, you know, not to get political, but let's face it, we have a political climate right now where, you know, people from Mexico are being demonized, and I think it was just so brave to just show, you know, this is it, this is part of our country, this is part of their country, this is a, a language that's spoken your country, fucking deal with it, you know? I agree. And, uh, I yeah, agree. Loved it. So... Good, good to hear that that passed the uh, the Beth Hughes authenticity test. So, <laughs> makes me retroactively enjoy it even more. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. It's, it, Ruben Blade should just speak Spanish all the time anyway. I don't know why they bother having him speak English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a great actor. Really great. Now, if anyone got to catch... Did everyone catch the Talking Dead after? Yeah, I, I watched it. No, I didn't. It was hilarious. I loved it. I wish he would be on there more often. He I was know, great. Uh, knocking it out of the park this this year, guys, at Free the Walking Dead. Go loan some of your writers over to the other show, would you? <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose we wrap it up for another week. Um, as I said, well, we, we're going to be behind on this. Last time I apologized for it, but we'll, we'll be getting a nice too long a break from the show here soon, so we'll be all caught up by the time it comes back. And uh, hopefully we can pencil you in for the finale show to Professor Allen. Uh, let's see. Housekeeping. You still email us at weeklyheroics at yahoo.com if you want, but you never will. Uh, thank you once again, David Pasquarella, for giving us an awesome iTunes review. You can find us over on iTunes as well. And we have a Facebook group. Just type in Fear the Walking Deadcast in your Facebook search thingy, and you should be able to find us. Join in the fun. Click the Amazon link. And click the Amazon link, yes. I, I, I constantly forget that lately. Uh, we should ask where we can find our guest. Our, our guest, Professor Allen, here is doing a, a 
very special summertime edition of one of his shows. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we got uh, all this summer is the quarter bin episode 100 celebration. And uh, in just a week or so after this episode goes live, whenever you find part four of that episode, Mr. Scott McGregor is going to be on it. Ooh, all right. Don't tell. Also, I love guest starring on stuff I don't have to edit. <laughs> you, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> anyway, how do you find that again, Professor? Well, relativelygeekycorrect.com or? Relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Alright, we're the Fear of the Walking Dead cast. Kids, Tutu Freaks, click the Amazon link and check out all of our other great podcasts. Mr. Mike Zumo is over there too with the Man of Screen podcast. And uh, we'll be back uh, after the next episode, whenever that gets here. Or whenever we can find time to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Bye now. Later. See ya. Oh, thanks for coming on, Beth. We didn't talk about Brian nearly as much, but we should have. Oh, yeah, I forgot to make more fun of my husband. <laughs> yeah, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll add this on the end. That so good. That's the problem. We had good stuff to talk about. Right. Yeah, no. yeah well. We hate it when that happens. Start up. up. Green, I should have said it was Brian's fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, next time. Yeah. <laughs> We should start a Patreon account for the outtakes one of these days. <laughs> People want to get the real dirt on what goes on behind the scenes. But maybe we'll try to shoot for 20 Facebook group members first <laughs> before we get that in. Start small. Yeah, right. yeah. You've been listening to Fear the Walking Dead cast on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Email us at weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. Don't forget, if you shop Amazon, please make your purchases from our main webpage at twotruefreaks.com.